Hello and welcome to the Music Survival Guide podcast. As ever, I'm joined by my co-host Phil. Good evening. How are you today, mate? I'm doing really good. I'm doing really, really good. I'm speaking through a new microphone. Mm. It's a new year. I mean, you know, we're halfway through January already when we're recording this. But it's a new year. Everything's great. How are you, Joe? I'm doing really good, mate. Um, I've been to a few gigs since we last recorded, so that was fun. I lie, actually. I've been to one gig, and it was very coincidental that uh, I'd worked with the majority of the lineup. So it made my <laughs> it made my life a lot easier. And um, I definitely saw the best intro to a song I've ever, I've ever heard, like as in a spoken one. So the lead singer, uh, Harry from Urban Architects, give him a shout out. He said, uh, this is our new single. Um, go out and stream it. My mum needs a new kitchen. One, two, three, four. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, fair enough. Yeah. Gotta get a new kitchen. <laughs> it's to the point, isn't it? He's... Is, is is he pouring all his money into a new kitchen? Is that the that's that's the impression I'm getting here? I don't know. I'll ask him next time I see him. Is that is that why they're called urban architects? Me. Oh, sorry, <laughs> but on the subject of uh, new singles, what are we talking about today? Well, this uh, this week, this time, we're talking about um, releasing music and specifically why releasing an album might not be the best idea. For your band. Mm. Or is the album model dead? <gasps> Cue scary music. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> really, uh, really expensive, high quality podcast here. So, as I often tend to say, in the good old days, if, it was, if the year was 1974, glam is, is big, everyone's happy, the music industry is massive, Releasing an album would be the obvious way to go. And the traditional model is that you, you know, you once a year you'd record an album, usually eight tracks, because that's usually what a vinyl could hold, at least on the albums that I own. Um, and you'd pick a single or two, the record company would pick a single or two to release from that album. And that would be it. You just do that year in, year out, and you tour around it. And it's, it worked. It worked. Um, but then the internet came <laughs> it changed everything damn you um, tim berners lee <laughs> tim berners lee i don't think it's his fault directly it's more what people have done with it i, can't, I don't think we can blame him sorry carry on Poor, i'm sorry tim if you're if you're listening <laughs> which you clearly are um so anyway uh the internet came along and streaming services and youtube and all of that um made the the album um maybe i would say a less efficient way of releasing music i guess would be the probably the best phrase so you've got things like uh playlists on spotify and apple podcasts and apple podcasts apple music um, and uh to get onto them is sort of like the holy grail and so if you're um recording an album you're releasing an album just in one go sort of nine out of ten songs might not make it, but this one song will. And is that really the best use of your resources? Mm. There are two camps, really. So I feel like the immediate rebuttal, we'll get to this argument, is, uh, hey, Joe and Phil, well, this artist released an album and it went number one. Why, why is there an album chart? Blah, blah, blah. And I think 
let's be honest, if you're listening to this podcast, you're very welcome to if you're signed to a major label and you're doing very well. We'd love to talk to you. But we're guessing that most people are independent musicians and they're not attached to to labels. Mm -hmm. The album model doesn't work in this scenario. I think it works if you're an established artist because there's there's people there to buy it. But if you're wanting to grow your audience and grow your audience quickly, I think there are much more efficient ways to do it than releasing a, an album. Yeah. And unfortunately, there's, there's a, a strong sort of um, romantic connection to the idea of recording and releasing albums, isn't there? Going to the studio for, you know, as it was, like a few months and then coming out the other end and going, here it is, here is our music and then releasing it to the world and everyone reviews it and it goes amazingly. But if we're really honest, for most bands, it doesn't really work that way anymore. Um, which, you know, I think Joe, certainly I would almost rather it work that way, sort of, because I really like albums. But... If you want to make the most of your your money and your resources, you just need to have a bit of a kind of shift in your thinking to be more, I guess, strategic with what you're doing. Mm. It's head over heart, I think, is the best way of of placing it. Like like Phil said, I definitely love albums. I mean, Phil can see this now that over my shoulder, uh, as we're video chatting and recording this, there is a whole case of of vinyls. I I I love them. I love. The whole artwork and the fact someone's put time and effort into structuring and making sure everything's in the right place in terms of song order. So that's the heart option. But the head option says it's it's not that efficient, especially if you're an up-and-coming band. I don't think I know of any artist I can think of in the last few years that broke through with an album. They all broke through with singles. Mm. So if you are um, a new band or a newer band, Joe, what, what would you do? How would you start? What would be your plan? So, again, I think this totally depends on, depends on budget. I'd definitely look at releasing singles. I feel like that would be the obvious one, mostly because, as much as I hate to say it, content is king. So if you're releasing an album this is the way i try and discuss it with artists that come to me and want to work on an album which i also just want to quickly caveat that if someone has got their heart set completely on doing an album that's fine like that i will happily work on that as will a lot of other people i'm sure phil will agree with that yes please but if you're asking for my opinion of what i've seen bands do successfully it would be releasing singles and that's because when you release an album it is one piece of content as far as instagram is concerned you will get the same and you know spotify and all those other things you'll get the same amount of hype for an album as you would do a single and i know that doesn't quite make sense because obviously there's a lot more quantity but if you think about it once you've released an album you may have spent your year's budget on it potentially a year and a half on recording writing blah 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 all this thing if you release it say at the start of the year, you've now got to wait for another year and a half before you've got a budget to release anything else. That's a massive amount of time if you're a new artist to, to go completely silent. Sadly, I, that is true. Um, as, a, as a band in the, the digital age, whatever age this is going to be called in the end, um, you need to be in front of your audience regularly, appearing 
at the top of their Facebook feed, at the top of their Instagram feed, Twitter, if anyone's using that. Some people do. Um, things like that. You you need to be at the top. You need to be visible to your to your fans on a regular basis. Um, you need to give them content to interact with and um, just sort of ways to, to get to know you as a band. And in the modern world, music for a band is part of it. Um, it's an important part of it because if you're making rubbish music, no one is going to want to listen to you and follow you. But it is it is realistically only part of your strategy. You have to have a, a sort of visual strategy as well, which we've talked about in previous um, episodes. Like you said there, getting in front of your audience is something I think that can be taken too literal. So it's not necessarily just about gigs, but if you want to grow an audience outside of your area or even potentially globally, then your only way of doing that is through releasing music. Mm. You You can't gig in the four corners of the world if you're local but what you can do is keep recording songs and keep releasing and growing your following that way yes but i think something to to kind of consider and maybe bear in mind is if you as a band are absolutely set on the idea of an album the idea of here is 10 of our songs that we you know we want to bunch together but you want to optimize the way you're doing it for um the 21st century, it is conceivable, and there are bands that do this, where you, you record and then you put out one song a month. And at the end of it, you have, well, in that case, a 12-track album or however however long you space it out. And in a way, you're getting the best of both worlds. So you're getting the sort of um, continual uh, appearance in front of your fan base, in front of people who want to listen to you, people who might discover you. Um, but you're also then at the end of it, you've got something that goes here is an album where you can, you know, you can get some artwork designed for it and things like that. And then at the same time, if you're packaging that sort of year's songs or however you want to do it and putting it into an album, you've then created with the same songs that extra little bit of content of an album. Um, and that's that's maybe a more tactical way to think about it. It's how a lot of huge artists do it. There's there's loads of chart topping artists that release six or seven singles off an album to build it up and then we'll kind of package it all together as an album say 10 or 11 songs i am going to half disagree with the suggestion you made though so i agree with that and i think it's definitely a budget friendlier version of creating an output of, of songs just because you know the economy of of mass that if you record more things at once you know you book block studio time then you can record more songs but instead of an album, I definitely reduce that to an EP or four or five songs. And that's for a, a few reasons. One is that if you're, say, releasing a song at a minimum once every month, you're going to be sick of those songs come 12 months' time. If you're a brand new band and you're writing and, and constantly gigging and working on your sound... In a year's time, especially in the time frame of a new band, the gap in what you were and what you are now is massive and those songs won't reflect who you are. Whereas four or five months is, is a decent period of time to kind of, okay, yeah, this is our sound. Maybe we've developed a bit more, kind of get back into the studio before those four or five months are over. There's also loads of other reasons why I'd suggest this. And that is because you don't get a feedback loop if you record 
say 12 songs so you could record 12 songs and say we're in we're in a hypothetical band phil our first Ooh. single does okay our second single which is a bit different and remember we've recorded all 12 songs our second single does really well gets onto spotify playlists and like the editor curated ones and blows us up massively but it doesn't sound anything like the other songs that we're going to release. Now we're kind of in a position where we either have to release those songs that we know won't do as well, or even worse, you have to just scrap them entirely and it's a huge wasted budget. So if you release a short amount of songs, it allows you to have that feedback where you can go, okay, this did well, this did well, right, let's kind of write some more songs in this similar style. We'll maybe like change up the production a little bit. We'll maybe, you know, if they say, oh, well, yeah, we really like the songs, but the production quality was a bit meh, then we'll go, okay, right, well, we'll we'll maybe use a different mix engineer or something along those lines. I think that's much more beneficial and much more financially savvy than recording an entire album's worth of music. I have to agree with you. (laughs) (laughs) Now you've laid it out, I've gone, yeah, you're right. 100% right. I think a thing worth thinking about just because it's it's the kind of bands that i work with and the kind of bands that i enjoy um if you are say a i don't know a progressive metal band and your songs are you know like five to ten minutes long um they're maybe not i don't want to say single worthy but they're <laughs> they're maybe not going to get the kind of traction that that say i don't know ex pop star who's just popped up out of nowhere is going to get um because it's just not packaged in the same way it's a different kind of music it's a different approach um but i would honestly say a similar kind of thing applies but your release schedule might be a bit more spaced out so you could consider releasing um say a two three track ep instead of a single um so it's i mean anyone who who knows the sort of genre and works in the genre knows that most fans of prog metal and things like that go for the eps and the albums rather than a single um they tend to appreciate the listening experience and i'm aware that kind of goes against something of what we said um but you've got to kind of be a bit i guess genre aware um mm. of what what your um style of music does and i guess if you're if you're starting out and you're really not sure what is going to work in your genre um look at bands that you respect who aren't signed um who are doing well and work out what they are doing. It's very, it's very, very easy to work out with most bands what their release schedule is and how it's working for them. Um, but look at what they're doing and and kind of try and analyze how it's working, I guess. Um, and then try and, I guess, copy that to an extent. Um, obviously, with your own music, don't plagiarize them. But <laughs> yeah. So what you were saying there, I think, kind of lends into release strategy. And this is one thing I was thinking is that when you release an album and especially with bands and artists that listen to this podcast you're most likely doing all your promoting and devising all your own release strategy if you release an album say in your first year or whatever that is probably your one and only opportunity at working on your release strategy it's an art form it's a craft as much as writing and performing is I can promise you in your first time, if the first thing you release is an album, you'll get something wrong. It's just going to happen. It will be something like you've mucked up the spelling in one of the track titles and something like that. Something will go wrong. 
it's not a disaster if it's a single. That's true. Because you go, oh, okay, cool. Well, next month, we'll note that down. That worked well. That didn't work well. It's this whole thing about feedback loops again. Then you go, okay, well, that strategy didn't work. That didn't get us onto a playlist. Second month or second single, you go, okay, we'll try this, this, and this. We've done a bit more research, maybe gone to a seminar. Maybe we've spoken to Joe and Phil about this kind of thing. <laughs> and then you go, okay, that works, that works. And with every single, you can perfect and experiment with your release strategy with an album that isn't possible yes you're a bit more one shot and maybe then done <laughs> with yeah. an album um i think the other the other thing to to bear in mind um with um the internet with facebook and instagram the biggies um is the the longer you have gone on as a band hopefully the more fans you are picking up the more people who are liking you and following you and it's if you're releasing, I don't know, say five singles, that's going to have a compound effect. So your, you know, your first single goes out, and then I don't know. Let's let's be really optimistic and say a thousand people start following you because they like what you've done. You've ended up on some some Spotify playlist or something like that. And then your with your second release, you've got that audience to then advertise, essentially advertise to, um, using your social media, and. It's yeah, it's got that kind of compound effect of of building your audience, and you've just got these um, these opportunities to do things bigger and better each time as you as you learn what's working, but also as you gain an audience. Mm. I want to borrow a phrase from a YouTuber who I'd highly recommend called Adam Ivy, and he uses the phrase hype curve. So it's just a way of ensuring that the attitude towards your band and the people talking about it are consistently on the rise rather than like phil said one and done big spike nothing for a year it's hard to then generate and build that momentum again you kind of want to have a snowballing effect that if you release singles it, it's it's a lot easier to do it it's harder to market you whether that be radio djs or gig promoters if you don't have new stuff to release, mm. it makes it a lot easier for people to talk about you if you've got a new release out. That It's just as simple as that, really. If you've got a gig promoter, they will find a lot more excuses for you to play on the bill if you go, oh yeah, well, they've got a new single out. Yeah, that'll, that'll draw people there. They've, they've got a way of publicizing it rather than, oh, well, they did something about eight months ago and they haven't done anything since. <laughs> pretty much the other kind of thing that people have a, a romantic attachment to um in the same way as as the kind of old style of releasing music is to do a physical release um you know you you're there's that there's that there is that sense of achievement of going look i have made some music and i am actually holding it in my hands i'm holding something that can that can play um i would caution you if you are new if you're very new to doing that i would even say at all to, to producing anything physical um, mm. because producing that stuff costs money. Just being realistic with you, it's it's often not very cheap to get something that actually looks good. Um, and so it's it's worth putting money into if you're going to do it. But if you are new and no one knows who you are, who is going to buy it? It's, 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 and it sounds harsh, um, but that's just the truth. Um, so consider kind of keeping it digital only, especially at the beginning. Um if you are gigging regularly, um, especially if you are a rock or metal kind of band, kind of the areas that I know, um, physical music, physical media does hold a bit more of a sway, I'd say, than kind of pop music and things like that. Um, and the idea of going Ooh, to a gig. I'd, I'd, yeah, I'd argue that. 
if I mean, you're telling me that like the massive, almost uh, cult fans of some of the of some of the pop acts wouldn't go absolutely mental at any physical releases. I take your point. Yeah, <laughs> but if you are if you are a new pop act or compared to a relatively new mm. rock act, um, the way that people are going to react is a bit different, I would say. Um, so if you are gigging regularly, um, at least in the genres I know, having music that people can buy there and then can be uh, a viable thing. Um, I know bands that that you know get in a load of. Um, cds for their their latest dp and they do actually manage to sell them out but if you are on your first release or two i would caution against that because you might just be throwing money away when people don't know who you are you do need to build something of a following before you think about that yeah and the best way to build that following or the hype curve again to use that phrase is to be constantly releasing it's the same as if you were to i don't know okay if you were to follow a youtuber is is a YouTuber who releases good content consistently going to have, say once a month or say like once a week? Obviously, it's it's a different field. You can't really realistically release a single once a week. Um, but say if you release one once a month, they will see a lot more traffic and a lot more growth than if they released nine videos all on the same day. Hmm. No YouTuber would do that. That would be suicide. So you've got to space these things out. Yeah. If you think of it like that, which essentially is the biggest growing platform, and also something to be said is every band should have a YouTube account anyway, that you should be posting your stuff on on there. The more accounts you can put it on, the better. And also I think, what is it? It's YouTube's the second biggest search engine in the world. It's something like that. It's crazy. Especially for music. It's coming up really, really rapidly. Yeah, there's so many bands that get discovered through YouTube. So yeah, it seems daft to not have it on there anyway. Do it or else <laughs> oh and a word of warning is that i agree with phil on making a physical release and i think the good attitude to have towards it is by all means make a physical release because it's great to have like you know your own thing that you've made and it's in front of you and you can hold it but be prepared to make a loss on it mm. and certainly if you're a new band don't expect it to be a form of income yes I think that that's just the safe way. Like, I don't think I could ever have the heart to sell someone. It's like, no, you should never do that. That's stupid. Because, it, yeah, but treat it as you would uh, like a present to yourself more than anything else. So speaking of singles, if you're releasing music, and I presume if you're listening to this podcast, you are, get in touch. Because at the moment, I'm running free project calls. So you drop me an email at joe at nevisaudio.com. We'll arrange a time once we've kind of chatted about your band. We'll discuss your goals, your music, and how a professional mix can help you get towards them goals. So yeah, if that's something you'd be interested in, drop me a message at joe at nevisaudio.com and I look forward to hearing from you. If you're interested in working with me, you can email me, which is phil at vortissoundstudios.com. If you include in that email a demo or a rough mix of what you're doing, then we can chat about what your music needs and we can make the best release that you've made yet. So that was another phenomenal episode of the Music Survival Guide podcast. If you want to get in contact with us, you can find us on our usual email addresses, which is phil at vortisoundstudios.com or joe, which is joe at nevisaudio.com. There's too many apps in there, really. Careful. 
If you want to get in contact with us both, you can email us at musicsurvivorguide at gmail.com. And we have a Facebook page, which is Music Survivor Guide Podcast. If you just search for that, you will find the same logo as is on the podcast feed. We will see you next time. <laughs>